What's going on, guys? It's Captain Steve Griffin with Griffin's Guide Service. Captain Drew and I are very excited to bring you Episode 1 of Eastern Current from up here on the Chesapeake Bay. We chat with an extremely special guest, our good friend, Captain LJ with GI Jigs. LJ is known all over the region for his high-quality fishing lures, extensive knowledge of the bay, and just being an all-around great guy. We chat about the evolving Chesapeake Bay fisheries, dialing in lures for each particular day, and the importance of enjoying and learning from every trip, whether it's good or bad. I hope you enjoy listening to LJ as much as we do. Thank you for listening. If you're like us here at Eastern Current, your boat trailer takes a beating. That's why we want to tell you about Coastal Trailer Repair, located here in Wilmington, North Carolina. At Coastal Trailer Repair, they strive to bring quality work at a reasonable price, specializing in trailer hubs, springs, and all things electrical and wiring. If you have an issue with your trailer, look no further than Coastal Trailer Repair to get you back on the road. You can find their information in the podcast show notes. LJ, what's going on, man? Hey. Thanks for having me, Steve. Yeah, thanks for coming over. It's been a fun day already, huh? Yeah, it's been exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, so uh, LJ has uh, been a great friend of ours and really been a mentor of mine for a long time. And uh, we call him the wizard around here for many reasons. Uh, he's, he's, really, he's really got this fishery figured out. And uh, I want to touch on that today. So uh, LJ, let's start with your story. What, uh, okay. what got you into fishing in the bay and... How did things progress? <laughs> yeah, um, well, 1981, how's that sound? You know, enlisted in the Army, and I got into a special band and stationed at Fort Myer, Virginia, into the Old Guard. And that's, a, you know, if you're familiar with the Old Guard, we had the Tomb of the Ungo, Unknown Soldiers. We just had a Super Bowl last Sunday. I saw my unit performing, bringing the colors out for the national anthem. That. That's what I used to do. I used to be one of the musicians that would march them guys out there, so... Um, you know, Joint Service Color Guard. I'm pretty familiar with them guys. Traveled all over the world, um, playing music, um, doing all kinds of celebrations. Anyone came to the United States for an official White House arrival ceremony, I performed for them. And uh, I've seen, you know, Yeltsin, Gorbachev, Queen Elizabeth, quite a few people. So after doing that for a while, um, I ended up getting a boat with my family and we started to f experience this Chesapeake Bay fishing thing <laughs> and and I'm from Florida and um, that's where I enlisted from it's quite a bit different up here than it is in Florida I don't, didn't take me but about five minutes to figure that out <laughs> and um, you know just being a, a regular family guy fishing all the time with me and my wife and my kids um, started uh, trolling you know after a while, like, well, yeah, they opened up the moratorium and we were able to target these rockfish and because um, that's what everybody did. So I go to all these, you know, sessions and learn how to troll. And uh, that was boring. <laughs> I'm going I'm to jump in. For those of you who don't know, rockfish is a striper or a striped bass. Oh, right. That's what we call them locally. Uh-huh. Well, we don't ahead. call them wheat bass, do we? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I started getting into this light tackle thing with walleye Pete. And uh, I did a couple of charters with him. And I remember standing at the power plant and uh, I'm holding an unpainted triangle jig head and a BK, six inch BKD. And I remember, here's what I told while I looked at the thing with the palm of my hand. I said, you expect me to catch a fish with this? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, throw it out there. Sure enough, I did. 
and that was it. And I'm like, okay, game on now. And um, uh, I decided, uh, you know, I got my degree while I was active duty, got out, um, started a computer business, um, started fixing computers for a living at a law firm, patent trademark law firm. And um, during the meantime, I was trying, you know, I was always buying jig heads and nothing worked. I'd have a file on my boat because the keeper tines were wrong. You know, I'd try to put eyes on them and paint them and just all this stuff. And I went through this process and it was I'd like, I could just know what I want. I can see it in my, in my mind, but I got to get somebody to design it for me. And I found a guy and, and um, I remember talking to him, it was Friday. And I said, uh, he, he was up in New Jersey. And I said, yeah, hey, uh, can you help me with the design? And I'll bring you my prototypes that I've been doing. And um, we'll get this thing all done. He had AutoCAD and all that stuff. And sure enough, we came out with the one-ounce uh, GI jig. And it was great. It was perfect. And, and all I did was just fish with that. And like, all right, me and my buddies, like, we need, we need a one-and-a-half-ounce now. Okay, we need a three-quarter-ounce now. So it just kind of expanded that way. But... There's never an intention to sell these things, right? Well, I was thinking, you know, the IT works pretty good, but I think I'm going to be a charter captain. So I got my captain's license, got a guide license, and I started running trips. And um, we, I would, you know, mostly the people that booked with me were women. They were moms. They had kids. And um, they would all, I always remember the conversation would start, well, what time do we launch? And I said, well, what time do you want to launch? And they'd say, well, how about nine? And I'm like, okay, I don't mind. We're going to launch at nine. I don't care. So we'd go out, and the whole fleet, this is when the bite was real good at, e at the mouth of eBay. We'd pass the whole fleet out there trying to catch spots so they could go live lining, and I'd just take my jig heads and, and the kids, and off we'd go. We'd go to the mouth of eBay. We'd drop jig heads down there, catch their limited rockfish, and then they'd all be pulling anchor, to go out there in live line where we just limited out on rockfish and we're back here anchored up and the kids are having fun with spot and croaker and all kinds of white perch and did it did it backwards of what they were doing 100 <laughs> percent, it was great nobody around nothing right yeah. each time and uh so after doing that for a while I'm like hmm, that's pretty good this is gonna this charter thing's gonna charter business is gonna work out pretty good you know i got a jig head here and they work good and well, you know off we go and then um one winter um Tyler's Tackle Shop, the guy that owns the shop's name's Georgie. He said, hey, LJ, can you help me with these uh, sh winter shows this year? I'm like, ah, Georgie, that's a lot of time. And he goes, well, I'll tell you what, I'll let you sell your silly jig heads at my table, and you can keep the money from it. And I thought, man, that's a great way to promote <laughs> my guide business, right? And um, sure enough, it was the total opposite. I couldn't make enough jig heads for each show. And they would just go like crazy. And because I worked, you know, at a patent trade, trade, uh, law mark, uh, I didn't say that right. Patent trademark law firm. Uh, I said, man, I'd be stupid if I didn't get a design on my patent and, and get a name, you know, a trademark on my name. Like mm -hmm. somebody steals my stuff. I'll be really mad. I'm not going to sell them, but <laughs> I'll be mad if somebody starts making money off of my idea. Yeah. You know, and, um, I would say, what was it? Uh, oh, that would have been 2019. So it hasn't been that long. Um, we applied for our first patent, 
and we were approved, and of course our, our uh, trademark was approved, and um, yeah, there we go. So we started out just like that, and after some pressure from some tackle shops, <laughs> I actually did start selling to tackle shops, and um, it had been about, um, I don't know, a year after that, so... And, and then uh, the rain minnow, you know, I, I made my own rain minnows back in those days. I'm like, well, I work with this big company and, uh, you know, why don't we just design that rain minnow? And then that rain minnow just took off. And then we just finished up, uh, you were working with me last, the winter before last on that bunker spoon. And we were caught a whole bunch of fish with that and we were experimenting with stuff. And this whole thing just kind of um, built on its own and uh, I ended up uh, selling them and, and so we're we got we have we're patent pending on a third trade uh, patent right now, and we have two in the bag and a trademark, and sales are are really good. Um, and uh, we're kind of building our name for ourselves with our quality. And the, the fact of the matter is, nobody else can paint three coats of powder paint onto a jig head right now except us. And we've got a pretty good system that uh, the way that we the tooling that we use to paint our jig heads with and then our techniques and things, uh, they're, they're separating us from most of the pack out there right now. So, Well, i got to say, <laughs> I love using your stuff, and I, I've been honored to, to really help with the, the designs. It's been such a cool process. Yeah, it's pretty um, cool. That's, that's one of the things I want to touch on is just how, how you come up with these designs and I've been out there to witness it, but I don't think many people have. <laughs> and uh, for those of you who don't know, when you're fishing with LJ, he's he's always trying something new. Yeah, there can be a Drew. You you've seen it. Yeah, I mean, if um, you know somebody's got eight forties in a row on a certain color, LJ will probably throw the total opposite color <laughs> just to see if that one might work that day, because it's all just building stuff in his brain. Yeah, yeah. Or I'll go to a completely different. Lure, Lure. Like, I'll throw metal. metal plastic. Pla- it's been plastic all day. Well, they gotta hit metal, and I'll try different colors, different sizes, and I'm always tinkering. And I think that's what kind of sets you apart, and that's how you've come up with some of these really great lures. Is is because uh, you're trying something that shouldn't work when you know it bites on, right? It, mm-hmm. There's, there's, it's been on my boat where <laughs> every, there's five guys hooked up to. You know, trophy striped bass or redfish yeah. or cobia or anything. You've sure. been on all those trips with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, LJ's like, oh, I'm gonna, that looks like it's working really good. I'm going to try something else. That's right. That's <laughs> right. I will. Because, you know, the thing of it is, is that at some point, that lure is going to stop working. And and you need the next the next lure. And, you got, and, you, and that's the way I think. I'm, I'm not, I'm always looking forward to the next lure. What's going to work next? Because, I mean, we've seen that throughout, you know, even fishing for sea trout. You know, they'll, they'll hit pink, and they're knocking it down, knocking it down. And next thing you know, they're, they're ignoring it. Well, I've already thrown out their sand deal, and they're nailing me. I'm like, okay, you guys know what to do now, right? Yeah. So they, it, these things work that way. Well, there was uh, – I'll never forget this, this memory. It was this past summer – and uh, we're out looking for redfish, but obviously bluefish pop up everywhere. Mm-hmm. And and my screen is just loaded up on my boat, right? I've never seen this many bluefish stacked up underneath the boat in my life before. And we can't buy a bite. Mm-hmm. And I look over, you're on Drew's boat. Yeah. 
and you guys yeah. are bent over. Everybody on the boat's <laughs> bent over. You're laughing, having a great time, and we're over here like mad. And uh, yeah, we were doubled and tripled up, weren't we, Drew? I mean, we were knocking them down. Like, and what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, LJ just put together this this lure. Tell us a little mm-hmm. bit. <laughs> yeah, it was the craziest thing. I mean, I didn't know it was going to work. I'd never used it before. And um, I found some glow-in-the-dark eel tails, and um, I put them on some different combinations of my rain minnows. And I, I, didn't, I don't know if they were in my box, right? <laughs> and uh, so everybody else is going to put everyone, you know, the other two guys in our boat, they put on metals, you know, that they've been catching bluefish with. And I'm like, hmm, I'm going to pull out my box here and pull out this thing I made up the other day. I think I've had them in box for a month, and I've never thrown one. And so I put on a rain minnow with an eel tail on, one of the glow eel tails. I throw it out there as soon as it hits the water. Bam! Like, oh, hey, that's cool. And I'm like, all right, I don't know. And it was in night. These were nice bluefish. I mean, we're talking about 25-inch bluefish. And for us up here in the bay, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um. And I get the first one in the boat, and the other two guys kind of look at me like, oh, what are you using? I don't know, this stupid thing I made. <laughs> sure enough, as soon as I hit the water on the second cast, I'm like, oh, all right, now that might not have been a fluke. And then the other, now the other guys are looking at me like, um, wait a minute. And I, and I asked him, I said, you guys want one? I got more. So I throw two out there, and they put them on, and then we're doubled and tripled up just nonstop, just going to town and and i'm really not even looking at your boat or you know the other boat that was next to yeah, us i didn't realize steve and them weren't catching fish we were catching so many fish i, I like, didn't either drew's running around with his hair on fire trying to put these blue fish on ice <laughs> i i swear i'm pulling my hair out try, trying everything under Everything I have in my tackle box, I'm trying mm-hmm. everything. And I'm just like, what are they doing? Like, I know these guys are really good. LJ, you're a great fisherman. I mean, <laughs> if, if they're there, you're going to catch them. But I'm like, it can't be. It can't uh-huh. be that. What are you? And I, I said, what are you guys using? And Drew, Drew said, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the cool thing about this, this lure, uh, the rain minnow with the eel tail on it, the rain minnow, you don't need a swivel with it. The rain... It will spin clockwise to a certain point where it can't spin anymore, and then it spins counterclockwise, mm-hmm. and then it goes clockwise, and it goes counterclockwise. And when you're watching it go through the water, it just looks like it's constantly spinning. There's no interruption in the spin of the rain minnow. And the, the eel tail behind it just looks like a snake swimming in the water right behind the lure. It's just such a great attractant. And then the way, you know, of course, I throw it out, and I just reel it in straight, and well, Let's see if they'll take it off of the jig. So I'll just, you know, jerk it up and down a little bit. Boom. Didn't matter to them. As long as they, they could get it in their mouth, they were they were over it, you know, all over it. And, and and that right there is exactly what I wanted to talk about because the way LJ fishes is he's always finding something new that just <laughs> that just will entice the fish. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out. But then, right. you know, it didn't work that day. Uh-huh. Right. Um, and I think I think thinking outside the box and and really trying new things. Everybody has their go-to lures, right? Their confidence lures. Oh, I, I know I do. Yeah, yeah, I mean I have. You come on my boat almost every day. There's a new. There's maybe three lures that are tied on, and it's going to be those three every day. Mm-hmm. We do always take out something new and try to try something new. But I think that's yeah. It makes you such a better angler if you really you know try something new. 
try a new lure. Get confidence in something else that if the situation presents itself is Absolutely. going to be productive. And, and you can do the same thing with spots. And I think LJ does the same thing with spots. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You don't always fish the same spot the same way all the time. You, just keep keep working it. Yeah, or try, um, and try a new spot. Yeah, and then go to your spot and try something completely different that you've never done there before. And you'll, you'll probably be shocked. You're like, wow, I didn't think that before. But look... I just produced these really nice fish out of here that I didn't really expect to see. I mean, and the thing of it is, is that like I always think that my the my weakness in fishing is my inability to not do something new. To do, you know, it's green and white. It's green and white. It, if it ain't chartreuse, it ain't no use. You know that kind of thing. Because right. I mean, not not too long before this little scenario that we were just talking about, I was out there fishing and uh, we're trying to catch Spanish mackerel and, you know, the small bluefish out of Chesapeake Beach. And it was kind of cloudy that day. And I swear, like, why won't these fish hit? And then I pulled out, uh, I call it the color sand eel, but it's basically brown with a a bunch of different colored glitters in it and stuff. I try on a a sand eel colored rain minnow and it was every cast. (laughs) And gold wouldn't work, and you'd think gold had been just fine that day. Yeah. Uh-uh. No, it went to Sandy. I'm like, oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> it's, it's so crazy, and I never realized it as much as when I fish with you, is how how fish can really be tuned in on a color. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. finding that, and you and, and Bob that we fish with all the time. Yeah. Bob is, is is crazy about really dialing in that. Oh, yeah, yeah. He gets deep. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He yeah. thinks deep. He's in it. He he's in it to He win won't it. stop switching lures until he's just kicking everybody's butt on the Oh, boat. 100%. <laughs> I mean, if I'm not catching every cast, I'm doing something wrong, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's intense when he fishes, but he's so much fun to fish with. You know, like the the last time we were out, I, I uh, was like, oh, you know what, man? This pearl blue glimmer from Z-Man is just awesome color out here, especially when we got clean water. And so the next time, you know, we, I guess there was a couple of days that we went by before we went fishing again. And I show up to your boat, and here I have a pearl with a purple with a special glitter in it, back on it, and some green eyes or something. I said, what do you think of this, Steve? And you know, oh, I like that. And you went right away to that pearl. I didn't even say anything. You went right to that pearl blue glamour diesel mineral, and you stuck one on there. You're like, oh, this is going to catch. And we did. I'm, on pre- that. I'm pretty sure that caught the biggest rockfish of the year on my boat. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. that's the color that, that caught that day. Yeah, yeah. And it was like a 52 or 53-inch mm-hmm. oh, striped bass. Yeah. Absolute hammer. The thing of it is, is that I noticed, I saw that when we were out the last time, how clean that water was. And I'm like, yeah, I really don't have anything special for this kind of condition, you know? And so I put it together and we came out there and we played with it and it paid off. If you're like us here at Eastern Current, your boat trailer takes a beating. That's why we want to tell you about Coastal Trailer Repair, located here in Wilmington, North Carolina. At Coastal Trailer Repair, they strive to bring quality work at a reasonable price, specializing in trailer hubs, springs, and all things electrical and wiring. If you have an issue with your trailer, look no further than Coastal Trailer Repair to get you back on the road. You can find their information in the podcast show notes. That's... uh. It's, it's so much fun being able to really dial in and, and check out new colors, try new things. And, and I learned a lot of that from you because mm-hmm. I used to just, you know, it was chartreuse or white. And right. And we go out there and it was, a, it was, a, you know, 
It, it, it won't most likely fail you, but will you get your PB? But will you get multiples of PDBs that day? Um, you know, what, what, else can, what else can we do? I'm always, I'm always wired up that way. What else can we do? What else, you know, that kind of way. And, 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 and believe me, Steve, when you're fishing, I'm watching you too. So, <laughs> you know, I pay attention to everything. You know, presentation, um, what angle... Um, you know, where that lure is in the water, what angle did you catch at? Was he was suspended? Was he deep? Was he high? Um, was that a fast retrieve? Were you working in like a jerk bait? Or was, was it a subtle <laughs> That's, um, presentation? You know, I, I, I feel like, uh, I don't know exactly how Bob says it, but he, he's watching people on the boat like this. And if somebody catches one thing, if you catch on one thing, he's, mm-hmm. he's switching to your lure. Right, mm-hmm. he's going to switch to the color and and same lure that you're using yep. if he's not catching, and then if you're catching again, he's going to switch to your technique and however your retrieve is and whatever yep. you're doing, mm-hmm. and and it really is sometimes you can it's it's so finicky and it so can precise, mm-hmm. and you know it's it's funny I remember two years ago we were fishing we were just catching rockfish on topwater like crazy right uh, over a bunch of stumps and and LJ's like I want to catch a trout. I haven't caught a trout yet this year. It was, it was early. It was May or early yeah. June, something yeah. like that. I mean, we we start targeting these trout in April. Yeah, and we catch in April. So yeah, I know. it's not a joke. Um, and and you're just in the back. These guys are wailing on them on top water, and you're in the back saying, "I want a trout." And I think you were fishing uh-huh. a popping cork that day. Uh huh. Yeah. Just, just yeah. fishing a popping cork in the mm-hmm. current out the back, and what yeah. do you know? LJ hooks up, and it's <laughs> it's just. His target species, it was yep. a speckled trout. Yeah, it was right there. Like, oh, man, I th- hey, can we get a net? I'd like a picture. <laughs> so I want to, um, since you've been pretty much, I don't want to say you started light tackle fishing in the bay, but no you, way. It, there's no way you started it. But you've been around for a long time fishing mm-hmm. in the bay. I want to I wanna just see your opinion on how you've seen the bay progress. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I wanna I wanna I wanna see how you've seen it change, what kind yeah. of fish species have come in that you Yeah, sure. Maybe why more. do you think that change happens? Like okay. why did people bail on the trolling a lot? Right. Um, I mean every year <clears throat> the last I mean as long as I've been involved in it, it seems like it's growing in popularity. It def- it definitely is growing in popularity. Um I mean when I started fishing the bay, I noticed that there was rockfish everywhere. I mean, truly. You, you could catch rockfish and you didn't even have to try. And then as the years went on, you know, especially with the t- spring trophy seasons and things like that, and then you never had a, you know, a slot or anything like that on the striped bass. We were killing all of the cows. And um, the, the populations every year, I never, I have never seen a season get better for striped bass, okay? Um, the, it has always gotten a, a a smaller population of striped bass in the Chesapeake Bay, Bay every single year. Um, I got a chance for the past couple of years to go up into Raritan Bay and fish with some captains up there. Um, I see their fishery. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's definitely different than ours. They have larger fish by normal standards than what we do. They do have a slot for their fish up there. And, um, Interestingly, you cannot purchase a rockfish fillet in a meat market somewhere, the, the seafood market or on the seafood counter is not for sale. Um, 
down here in the Bay, it's, it's on menus and it's everywhere. Every grocery store you go in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then as far as the species that are coming into the Bay, um, I don't know if they, I, I can't say that they haven't always been here, but the other species are becoming more prevalent. And it's pro- probably in part because we don't have a choice to go after other species. We, it's kind of mandatory now to not stick to striped bass. And in fact, in the summertime, I don't even like to catch a striped bass. I don't want one. I mean, I'd rather catch a white perch than a striped bass. Um, it, we, the sea trout, I think, have always been here. Um, we used to have a very good population of weak fish, the gray trout. Um, they're, they're here or not um, because their numbers are so low. Um, I think that a lot of other species of fish love to eat them. <laughs> Plus, he, we like to eat them too. And uh, so their their populations are a little bit less. The Spanish mackerel can be good uh, when they come up into the bay. And the nice thing about our section of the bay uh, in Maryland is that um, you're not going to catch a little throwback guy. Um, we catch nice mackerel up here. The, the big ones have the stamina and the strength or endurance, whatever it is, to, to handle the brackish water that we actually have. It's not pure salt. And the bluefish, um, they're, they're starting this past year to make a rebound. Didn't you guys get, like, a bluefish in the 30-inch range? Yeah, we caught some. Really, we had a couple over 30 this year. Yeah, we caught some really nice. It was good to see. It's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, um, I haven't, I mean, those size bluefish I have never caught myself, but... Like there was last year plenty, 25, 27, 28 inch bluefish being caught. Um, the croakers, like we had croakers show up, uh, like keeper size. Now, okay, 16 inches yeah. is not a monster, <laughs> but I mean, I used to go out in the bay um, and I would take my jig heads, I would jig them up, croakers, like to 25 inches, hard head, you know, and that was no big deal. Like that, that's what we did um, in my boat anyway, because <laughs> so cool. it was fun, you know, put some gulps on there, some small gulps and in my one ounce jig and just twitch it along the bottom. Then Croker come up, try to grab that thing and you end up getting him in the chin because they have a small mouth. But um, there were a lot of fun catching croakers like that. We had also um, we had the silver trout show up this year um, and they were, they were a pretty fish and and like. Up in the, I was in the Patapsco River volunteering combos for kids, my boat, and I was taking kids up there, and they're catching black sea bass, and um, they're catching the silver trout um, and, and small rockfish and croaker. I mean, yeah, croaker and spot and all that stuff. So um, it's very interesting to see these other species come into play. Um, and you know, I love to target black sea bass. They're one of one of my fun things to catch. They're just so pretty. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'll keep one once in a while if it's legal. Um, it, they're just so good to eat, but they're so fun to target and catch too. And, um, we have flounder in the bay. I'm going to target them even harder this year. Um, I think we have keeper flounder. Now I know, I do know guys that last year they caught a keeper size flounder. Um, one, one, one guy, he caught three in one trip. So... And, and they're catching them around structure and reefs and things like that. And but, you know, you have to you have to be one of them people that can let those rockfish go. You know, like don't go target the striped bass. 
you're going to go target flounder and you commit to it and you commit to the the black sea bass and you commit to the sea trout and you commit to the cobia you know you, you, you just have to have a different mindset and different equipment you know different rods different lures different things you need for different species there's definitely a different tool for every job and and if you <clears> set your <throat> goal when you're going out that day to learn something new oh absolutely you're you, you know if you spend the time on it you're probably going to I mean, the black sea bass bite in the Chesapeake Bay is is was not very well known. And to be honest, I didn't even know. I you didn't know do about it until LJ took me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this is actually a blast. Yeah. I'll well, say, so you want to go catch black sea bass? Are we going to the ocean? Yeah. Uh huh. Well, you know, um, people people don't they don't believe me, but there's gag grouper in the bay, and I, I caught one you. last year. I was with and, you when you caught that one. Yeah. Um, and, and I have another buddy, and he sends me this picture, and he goes, hey, look at this sand bass. And I said, it's not a sand bass. I told you there's gag grouper out there. You just caught one, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's nuts. And, and the, reason, the reason I knew that there was a grouper, gag grouper out there, because I, um, I was fishing a reef, okay? And I caught, like, three or four just beautiful rockfish. And this is when you can have an over and an under. Okay, and I had an over, and I wanted to catch an under because I wanted a limit of rockfish that day. I wanted my two fish, and I was jigging a one ounce GI jig with a seven inch Z-Man Streak Z, the hot chartreuse, and I had it down. I had my line down there where where those rockfish were hanging out. They were suspended a little bit, and um, I got I got the hit. I set the hook. And I knew right away, because you, you know when you catch a nice size striped bass, you get that head shake. Like, you know a head shake, mm-hmm. not, and now a little rockfish, he's going to kind of vibrate, and he's not, not going to knock you. I felt that head shake, and oh, crap, I just caught another over. Darn. I know, and then I'm like, man. And so I got this fish, and all of a sudden it takes off, Steve. I mean, straight down into the, you know, into the structure. And I couldn't stop it. I'm like, what just happened? And, you know, I could feel the, the head of the fish in there. Like, it was shaking, you know, and I, I did everything, you know. And I was like, I even took my line, and I used to do this in Florida when we get gag grouper, because I know what gag grouper, they go, they come out, they feed, and they go right back into the hole they came out of. And he, he was in that hole, and I knew it. And sometimes when you take your finger and you play it like a banjo, like ding, 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 you just play it, it'll drive them crazy. And, and you give them enough time of doing that, and they'll just they'll lose their mind or something, you just swim out of that hole, and then you got it. <laughs> you know, I didn't have any of that luck. And, uh, and that's how I found out about it. I like, I, that didn't just happen, but it did happen. And, and there are some nice group gags out there, too. Well, I didn't think I'd learn that today, but I had, if you see me playing my string, I'm not saying good mind. It definitely can work for you. Don't, don't oh, ignore it. a shot. Mm-hmm. Try that when you get wrapped around a uh, Doc, pile yeah. or something. Yeah. Drag that red out. Yeah. Play the banjo string. <laughs> I tell you, I learned so much fishing with LJ that it's just stuff and, and just going to your basement and, and, and hanging out and drinking a few... Uh, Miller's, which if 
you go to LJ's house, you're going to mm-hmm. have to drink a Miller. Yeah, um, they'll be sitting there for you. Come on by. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just talking fishing, and, and that's why, you know, one of the reasons we wanted to get you on here is just because of your vast experience and and how you try so many different things in the Chesapeake Bay. It's, it's the, the fishery is, is really diverse. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people get stuck on the striped bass. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it is... It's, it's still the is state fish. it's the state fish but it, it, it also yeah. is the most pre- prevalent fish you see i think they're in, the easiest definitely you know and they're and, in more areas than anything else for sure yeah yeah i mean my my version of success isn't um what fish did i bring home that day but what did i learn when i went out trying to target that new fish that new species of fish and with that knowledge that I came back with. I really want to, I, I really like that because I think, you know, going out, a lot of people measure their success on whether they got a limit or not. And um, yeah, it, you can really, really grow as an angler if you, what did you learn? Even if you right. didn't, sometimes learning where the fish weren't and getting a skunk or not not oh. catching anything learning what mm-hmm. didn't work yeah is just as good as catching a ton of fish yeah i mean a bad report is still a good report yes. in my mind because you're you gave me good information i mean that's good information that i have now that i can use to my advantage you know just because you weren't successful today um as far as catching wise goes i think we we talk a lot and, and network quite a mm-hmm. bit and talk about yeah. the fishery and and i know i get plenty of calls from you and say hey well mm-hmm. i tried this today and it didn't work so right. don't do that tomorrow <laughs> right exactly <laughs> or or you know we'll have a good idea of you know we're not going to go do that again but we'll we figured out what didn't work so we know what has the best chance to work for us tomorrow um, and the other thing is, is that, you know, the, the thing about us is that when I give you information, it's true. I don't have to have, I don't have to brag. I don't need to. And uh, good, inf- good, good friends with, you know, honest answers and good information, whether it's good or bad, it's good information. And that's really important to, since you were talking about network that way. It's definitely, uh you know, there's there's people you hear things from where you kind of gotta uh-huh. you gotta sift through it, take it with a grain of salt, right? You know, because right. people talk a lot on the bay. You hear stories yeah. all the time, yeah. and I well, think it's probably that way anywhere. Well, you know, everybody's so caught up in like, I need this picture so I can post it, right? <laughs> and and uh, really, I don't care about posting pictures and stuff like that. I like to get my I get my pictures. If you look at my phone, I got thousands of pictures of fish, but. Um, you know, you you don't see them. On, I should put them on Instagram from my website or my website <laughs> or something. <laughs> you got a, you know. a lot of great, uh, got a, a lot of great stuff for advertising. Uh, yeah, yeah. With your with your lures, but um. But that's part of that's really part of it. I mean, is if you're going to target new species, do new stuff. Don't be so concerned about how it makes you look to the public. Give that stuff up and then get into the fishery and, and get tuned in to what you're really trying to do is catch fish and learn every day you go out on the water. I, 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 learn <laughs> every day, especially when you're on the boat. <laughs> we figured some different things out this summer and mm-hmm. we made some big differences. And, you know, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed watching you fish. Drew, because, you know, you're running a boat. I'm watching what you're doing. I mean, I never walk on walk on someone else's boat and think I know how to read their electronics, even if they've got SEMRAD the same as I do. 
because I don't, I don't, I don't uh, believe in that. But I watch what you do, and and um, you know, I'll, I'll just kind of watch along as the day goes along, and I learn stuff from you guys. The way you're, the way you uh, approach a fishery, and uh, set up your boat, and then make your drifts, or find your fish, and you know, and and your live scope's awesome. <laughs> yeah, the live imaging's kind of changed the game for us this year. Oh um, yeah, we started using that and. Uh, July. You had it before I did. I had to work for it. <laughs> <laughs> we, we tested it out on my boat, and after I think it was like two trips, I called, uh, I called and ordered up another one. I said, Drew needs uh, this on his boat now because oh he is gosh. disadvantaged. <laughs> Dude, I, you know I fished with you for a couple of days, and I remember getting on my boat and. I start looking like, oh no, you do not have. Forward. <laughs> <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you can't see the fish in front of your boat, buddy. I'm like, all right. <laughs> what What would you do if you didn't have any electronics at all on your boat? How would you would you fish? Like you say, you couldn't even find a wreck. Would you Ooh. do shorelines or? I mean, that would be the easiest. Yeah. That would certainly be the easiest. You know, the shallow water kind of stuff. It would be it would be difficult. Um, I mean, we have markers on the bay. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I have a friend that he, he, he could go to the airplane wreck in Chop Tank River and not need his electronics. Like, you know, and he's old school. He's older than I am. But, you know, in the day, you had to, you had to know where you were in according to landmarks. And yeah. you would recognize it. I'm not that good. <laughs> I still remember my dad and his buddies. They'd like if they ever found something they liked, or they caught a bunch of fish. Like just pre-electronics, or they didn't buy them because they were cheap at the time. But they'd tie a bleach bottle yep. on a sinker and exactly. hope it stayed for the next it, Saturday. It, they got out. I guarantee you, I'll be doing that for you. You took yeah. my electronics and oh, yeah. figured something out. There were bleach bottles all over the bay. <laughs> I, I actually think that the reason I asked that is it happened to me. I lost. Uh, Back when I first got into fishing, I I had a little sea hunt boat, and there's a little uh-huh. tiny tiny nine inch simmerad on it. I say tiny. A lot of people use a nine inch simmerad, but mm-hmm. we're we're crazy and have TV screens on our boats now. Yeah. But um, my my screen went bad, and I had to send oh. it back to get fixed. And so I fished an entire summer without knowing where I was going, just knowing mm-hmm. what currents were doing or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so just reading the water, and I think I think you're very good at that. Yeah. And being able to read water, um, the chest. For those of you who don't know, the Chesapeake Bay is. Um, I think the average depth is seven foot. I think the average depth is be. seven foot. It's kind of um, shallow. If we, yeah, we have hundred and twenty foot holes in the middle of the bay, mm-hmm. the channel. But a lot of the fishing we like to do is shallow when it comes to right. speckled trout, stripers, um, mm-hmm. some redfish, some puppy drums, some perch, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. You know, I think you could probably do that fishery no problem without electronics. Yeah. I mean, um, this kind of I I I watch the fish. I'll I'll watch I'll, after I've been on in a, in an area where the fish are for a while. I'll start to notice which direction they're moving, and how fast are they going, and and then um, I will set up my boat ahead of the boats and the fish, and I'll. I'll position whether I got a backup or whatever, but I can see, I can just tell, I can just see it coming and then I'll kill it and I'll be, I'll be sitting there stealth. And then the boats are pushing the fish and they're pushing the fish and they're pushing the fish. And next thing you know, the fish are under our boat 
and we're whacking. I remember a story. I think I overheard you telling somebody, but uh, our spring trophy season, which we don't have anymore, is notoriously hard to fish jigging-wise. Mm-hmm. And everybody that's out there fishing, 90% of them are trolling 20-plus yeah. rods. But you had a system mm-hmm. of how you caught those fish, and it's kind of oh, where yeah. you were just leading with that, right? Yeah, absolutely. I want, I want to hear. So that. I've always looked at, at trollers. You know, the, we're talking about the 42-foot boats with 16 fishermen and 30 <laughs> rods out the sides and you know the back and everything i look at them as moving structure in the water so we got we got a big flat 40 foot of water flat bottom nothing there except for that boat that's push pulling all these lures and pushing fish so basically you got the boat it's a v cutting into the water and He's going towards fish. Fish are in front of that boat. They go. Fish know three simple things. They know what boats are. They know what nets are. And they know what hooks are. And they don't like any of those three things. <laughs> and so as that troller is going through the water, he's pushing the fish to the left and right of his boat because they were in front of him. Like, oh, I don't like boats. And so they're, they go to the sides. And I don't really like these things dangling all over the place either. Well, I like the position my boat when I'm jigging in front of that moving structure. These guys, a lot of times, they go next, side by side of each other, and they can't turn. So you can, you can see that straight line that they're making. I'll take my guys up. We'll set up in front of those guys. We'll kill the engine. We'll sit there, and we'll just start casting. And we're keeping it in the top, I tell them, like, top third of the water column because in the springtime, that's where you're going to find your fish. And here comes the trollers, and, like, and they push the fish over to our side, boom, we're hooked up, you know. And then, we, and the guys, the guys that are trolling thirty lines, they're looking at us like their palms up in the air, and like, what's going on over here? You got a guy on your boat that just caught a fish, and then I tell them, I tell my guys, I said, as soon as these uh, planer boards go past the boat, I want you to cast right behind them, and then catch the fish that are just, you know, following those baits like dummies, you know. And mm-hmm. sure enough. Boom, they'll get one in the back of their spread. Because, I mean, rockfish, they'll follow those lures for miles and miles and never do anything with it. And then you put something in front of the, their face that twitches quickly, and they didn't quite see what it is, and they have this, this reaction strike towards it. Like, man, because they're predators, and they'll, they'll knock at that bait, and what was your lure? I think, I think your patience is, is something that, that I... Wish I could have more of. Uh, I, I get, you know, if I'm not catching fish, I, I will just leave. And part of that has to do with, <laughs> with running a business and having clients on the boat. You know, we can't just sit around all day and not catch fish. It's, it's our oh, job. Oh, I get that. Yeah, absolutely. But, but. but you, the way you fish, you're so patient. And I've seen you sit mm-hmm. up up from other boats and just wait. And we're like, yeah. what the hell is he yeah. doing up there? I wonder if he's got fish. No, mm-hmm. we're just hanging out. No, I'll call you. No, we're just hanging out. And then all of a sudden... <laughs> You, there is a there is a method to your madness. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden you're hooked there. We up. are. We are. Um, I mean, and, I mean, I would, I ran guide trips doing that. Yeah. Um, that tactic with the trollers. And the other thing is, is that a lot of times when I know there's fish, I would say, hey, guys, just just relax, just chill, just chill. No, no, no. We need we need fish under the bay. We're like, just relax, just relax. All of a sudden, two boats get up on plane. Whoa, they just take off and they leave us there. All right, guys, we got them. We got them. <laughs> All right, now let's start fishing because for whatever reason, when these boats get up and take off, 
then the fish think, hey, it's all safe now. And they start feeding again, and then you'll catch your own fish by yourself because the other boat's left. It happens to me all the time where we've we've got benches in the back of our boats that face backwards and you know mm-hmm. if, the fit, if the bite cuts off we'll take off and and it's always the guy in the <laughs> that's facing backwards that, that goes hey steve they just popped up right back where we left them i'm like yep yep they'll do that they do that and then i had one time i was out i was on a charter had some guys in my boat and sam gotsis is out there and uh we we're at parker's creek and and there's Spanish mackerel and bluefish around there, and we're trying to catch them on the rain minnows and stuff. And then, uh, you know, I call up uh, Sam and say, hey, Sam, how's things going out there? Oh, it's kind of slow. I say, it's kind of slow here, man. Can you do a little circle for me? He goes, sure. And so what Sam did, he circled my boat with trolling. Now, it didn't hurt anything that he was doing with his clients or anything, but you know what happened was he pushed me fishing, and then we started catching, and then he called me back and said, how are things going now, LJ? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I got to tell you, Sam's a great captain. Oh, yeah. Really good guy out on the bay. And we've got a lot of really great guys in this area. Absolutely. And I think part of that, a lot of it has to do with you and your, just how you approach the fishery. And and you're so friendly to everybody on the water. I've seen, I can't tell you how many times we've been out with LJ. And there's there's a guy struggling on a boat next to us. And LJ's going to drive his boat over there Mm -hmm. and throw this guy lures and say, why don't you try this? I mean, if a guy's out there with his wife and kids, like, why not get, help him out a little bit? You know, they did all that time to get out there and everything to try to catch a fish. I mean, you wouldn't think you'd be asking for a whole lot to catch a fish, right? But right. that's really all that people want to do is catch a fish. You know? I, think, I think there needs to be more of that. And, and I think we are getting that in the Bay, um, you know, especially last year. Um, you know, I do a lot of sem- fishing seminars and things at tackle shops and presentations. And I always tell people, one of the first things I tell them is introduce yourself to the guy sitting right next to you, because at some point you're going to see him out on the water and you need to know his phone number and you need to know his name. And we just need to make friends. And then the other thing is, is that if you don't have a fishing network yet, well, let's start, let's start working on one today. And, and, and change, exchange phone numbers, describe what your boat looks like so that, and now there's actually a community out there and I think it's more prevalent now. And I think it, that's one thing that is building over the years. Like you were talking about earlier, Drew, about how, you know, the light tackle fishery in the Chesapeake Bay and it is building and, and the community of the trolling meat wagons are kind of diminishing or, uh, and I, even last summer, I saw uh, some of the guys that normally troll, their clients are out there with like spinning rods and they're casting, you know, plastics and things. And yeah. I think that's people are more engaged by holding a fishing pole in their hand and kind of having some type of a control of their destiny of their fishing day, to, you know, and how things are going and more of a self accomplishment because I caught a fish with this stick. <laughs> Well, I got to say, my favorite part of of fishing and catching a fish is that is that bite, that hit. Oh yeah. That, and if you're trolling, you're not going to feel that. You uh-uh. just got the fight, and the fight is just the work. Yes. That's just the work after the exhilarating bite that that uh-huh. surprises you and, and right. really just gets right. you going and gets you on your toes. Yeah, and you know um, something that that fishermen, you know that that have some experience, okay, should always do when they have friends that jump on their boat they're not you know 
my daughter's friend just jumped on the boat with us. They've never held a fishing pole before. Show them how to hold it. Show them where the balance point is. Tell them how to open the bail on the rail. You know, ask them, do you throw a ball with your right hand or your left hand? So that way you know what side of the, the you know, reel to put the handle. And then, like, take the line, all right? You'll have a jig on there already. And then tell, show them how to hold the rod, you know, tell like, put your fingers on the fiberglass so you can feel it. And then I said, so what does a fish feel like when he bites it? And they're like, I don't know. Well, and then you'll have the line with the lure. You'll hold the lure in your hand, and the line is slack, and you'll tap it. And they say, you know, I don't feel anything. And then you, I say, do you feel the weight of the lure now? And just kind of let it drop down. And so they feel the weight of the lure with their rod. I say, so you feel that, right? Yeah, okay. I say, now, and I'll just touch the jig head with my finger. I say, you feel that? Yeah, that feels... That feels weird. Yeah, I feel you touch it. I say, yeah, yeah. That's what a bite like. That's what a bite feels like. And they're like, really? And you sit there and tap that thing while they're feeling the weight of the lure. And I said, that's, and you explain to them why not to have slack in your line so you can feel the bite. That's what you're trying to feel. Well, it's so funny that, that you, <clears throat> you did that for me several years ago. And I had been fishing for many, many years and never had that demonstration done. And I'm like, you know what? That really clicks in your brain. Mm-hmm. And we have people all the time, if, if they haven't caught a fish before, when they catch their first fish and they feel that bite, they're just like, something's happening. <laughs> right. You know, something different happened. <laughs> what do I do? Cross his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's something I used to skip over in my pre-trip a little bit more than I should have probably. And since doing it, like I notice one, it saves me a lot of time. Like, you know, if I have six guys fishing, if everybody's at least already holding the rod right when we mm-hmm. start fishing, you know, some I can take care. I sh- should have been earlier, but now I, you know, try to take care of at the dock sh- to give them the slack yeah. line demonstration. And I think it obviously results in more fish because every cast is more productive when they're doing it right. Even if they have caught a fish, mm-hmm. you can catch a fish with slack line. It's just not very not, likely. <laughs> yeah, not real likely. I mean, and I I do this because I do volunteer work with uh, combos for kids. And I'm taking inner city children out and, you know, they've never held a fishing pole, you know, and some, some of the children are afraid of the boat. Like I can't put it on plane. They'll freak out or, or they've never been on a boat before and they'll go fall on my, the bow of my deck, you know, and lay there (laughs) holding my cooler because they're terrified. But, you know, as the day goes on, you know, only with them a few hours each time, you know, they'll get more comfortable and, I'll have them sitting in the seat, and they're all proud of this fish that they just caught. But before we even leave the dock, the first thing before I even start the engine is we go over those things with the, those children and how to hold the rod and what a bite feels like and things like that so that when they get out on the water, they're, that's, not when, that's not the time to learn to do that. You do that before you leave the dock. And then when you get out there, because there's so much going on, you know, once you get out on the water and you start dunking blood worms and things off the side of the boat, there's so much going on, it's so busy, that if they've already had that instruction before you leave the boat, or the dock, then when they're out there, and they're, they'll be so successful and enjoy their day. I got to say that, and we'll have to get EJ on to, uh, to talk about combos for kids, but that yeah. is such a great, great program that mm-hmm. he's got. And, yeah, it is. And I got to say, I've, I've, um, volunteered my time and taking a boat mm-hmm. up there and i like you just said i've learned so much from helping these kids mm-hmm. and just realizing that starting from square one and just from scratch yeah what what we take for granted mm-hmm. you know as fishermen that have oh, been doing man. it for so long that 
it's just the little things that you can do to help help an angler. Mm-hmm. But looks like we're uh, we're running short on time. Um, LJ, sure you got anything to add? think so uh lj i want um do you have anything you want to leave everybody with uh you got anything any final words to say um if i got one more question you got one more question okay i gotta figure out how to word it Um, (laughs) all right do you have to fish all the time (laughs) oh good question (laughs) actually no i mean i'm the guy on the boat that if if someone needs help with anything I'm watching and I go help them. And I, you know, I get more enjoyment from watching people catch fish or get better at jigging or be more successful on that particular day that we're on the boat together. I get more enjoyment out of that than anything. And, and like, I've had people say, Oh, come on, LJ, we got to get you one next. And I'm like, why? I just caught three. Why? What? I said, you caught one, you caught one, and you caught one. I just caught three. I said, I'm pretty happy. And I said, by the way, was that your personal best? Uh Uh-huh. Was that your personal best? Yeah. I never caught one this big either. So so we got three PBs. Now, how much better can I get than that? You know, and I get enjoyment out of that. That's, and I've seen it in action. Yeah. I think what Drew was getting to is uh, maybe we should leave everybody with this quote. Now, maybe we'll have LJ explain it a little bit. But uh, a famous quote that, that we go by all the time, and LJ said for God knows how as long. As long as we've known him, at least. Yeah, <laughs> is uh, you don't have to fish all the time. Mm-mm. You just have to fish at the right time. The right time. Tell us, tell us real quick, tell us a little bit about what that means. You don't have to fish all day. You just have to fish at the right time. <laughs> so do your homework. Like, look at, like, if you know your targeted species and you need peak tide, then... Do your homework and be out there at that time for that bite. Um, I've caught, as far as striped bass goes, um, my biggest striped bass, they come on slack tide. And people don't always, people don't believe me. Some do, but especially ones in my boat believe me. But you, you go out there and create your own look. Do your, you don't have to fish all day. You know what I mean? I don't mind being out there all day. But if you will do your homework and look at your tides, look at your windows, look at your weather, and then anticipate the species that you're going after, you'll know when to be out there and when's your most productive time to be there to catch that striped bass. Or, you know, if it's Kobe, I need running tide for that. Um, Or just before the change of tide, you want that. Like stripe, I mean, um, black sea bass, they like slack tide. And you, they, because when the tide's rolling and it's peak, they go hunker down. They've already fed. So that's how you want to target those kind of things. Now, if you're going for flounder, you need that moving current because they're, they're waiting for that current to start moving again before they start feeding. I think uh, there's nobody that does it better than LJ because he'll call, he'll call us up and say, Hey, we're going to go fish for two hours. And these are the two hours we need to be out there because this is when, because, yeah. because yeah. why? Yeah. And, and it's time on the water that you've really been able to dial that in. I think that's um, very impressive. It's, you don't have to fish all day. You just have to fish at the right time. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we'll wrap it up. Leave it at that because I, nothing nothing is more true in fishing than that. Yes. <laughs> but um, thank you guys for listening. Well, thanks, thanks for having me, Steve. Thanks for coming out, LJ. Mm-hmm.